1: What's up, Chief Kingdom? Welcome to another episode of Outside the Trenches. We have got a special one for you tonight. I am BJ Kissel, joined as always by my co-host, six-year NFL veteran, two-time K-State All-American, and final finalist for the Remington Award back in 2000 something or other. Nick Lecky, down from Texas in K-State. Nick, what's up, man?
2: Man, uh, excited for this show, man. We got we got the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, making big boys look good and uh, making us look uh, smart like we are, Duke. So this will be a fun show, man. It's be a fun show. Thanks for coming on.
1: Not the first time, not the first time Duke has been on this show, but man, anybody who's listening who uh, has not heard Duke on this show or is not familiar, uh, Duke Manyweather uh, runs O-Line Masterminds. It's one of the biggest and hottest um, you know, events for NFL players during the offseason. It got picked up by Fox Sports. You can see the big boys club with Duke and Jeff Schwartz. It is a phenomenal look at a positional group that has not gotten a lot of um, quality information put out there about how these guys not only go about their business, but about what their business is when they're out on the field. There's a lot more to it from a mental perspective and a technique perspective that we're really just scratching the surface on from a uh, from an informational educational standpoint on the outside. And guys like Duke. You, buddy, uh, you are doing uh, a lot of good work in educating people in a position that uh, really needs it. So thank you for joining the show. And obviously, you know, I'm a big supporter. We thank uh, you for providing that good information to everybody.
3: Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me on again. It's always uh, fun uh, to be able to come on uh, outside the trenches. And it seems like just yesterday we were doing this from St. Joe's.
2: Uh, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> two years was- ago.
3: I guess that was uh, two or three years ago now, but um, I'm actually happy to be able to do this from the comfort of my own home, um, and um, I'm, I'm happy to be on. I think you guys hit the nail on the head in terms of everything that we're doing with O-Line Masterminds and then kind of the big boys club that uh, Jeff Schwartz and myself did. Uh, really what we wanted to do is just um, shine, not really shine, but peel the curtain back just a little bit. About the entire process and the lifestyle behind offensive alignment, and it was really Jeff's idea. He said, "What if we peel the curtain back during the transitional portion? of These guys going from college superstars to to like rookies, and showing how you're involved with their process every step of the way, from the mental part to the physical part to the actual tactical and craft part to the nutrition, and so that's kind of." what we captured in the the big boys club where we started off. And one of the big things for me is I told the crew, I said, Hey, if you guys are going to come in and shoot this thing, we're going to shoot it properly, which means that you're going to be on my schedule, which means that you got to be in the gym at 5.00 AM. You know, when I'm at home eating, you know, we got to kind of, so they did a great job of doing that. Conrad did a great job. And then uh, Michael J Loftus, who's won a bunch of Emmys and has produced Um, A ton of 30 for 30s and other sports documentaries. Uh, We had an all-star crew down here who did a phenomenal, phenomenal job. Um, But we captured exactly what we set out to do. And that was everything from 5 a.m. to 6 p.m. when we shut it down. And we shot for about three or four days here. Just so guys can get, or guys and gals really can get just a really in-depth look of what these guys are. Going through, which would normally be a nine or 10 week program, if in normal times with the combine, which since everything was pro day driven, um, it was really we had these guys for 14, 15, 16, 17 weeks. So a lot more time to to really hone in and get guys healthy, to really identify and evaluate some areas for improvement. Um, and then also just to continue to bolster uh, some of these guys, get uh, unique things that make them special and that's really what we sought out to do with the big boys club and it's really the template that we use for um every level of development whether we're talking about online masterminds whether we're talking about even some of the college and high school stuff that we do with uh, nike in the final five
1: yeah i like I said, anybody who's been listening to this show knows the, the support that you've had and, and guys that they're familiar with here in Chiefs Kingdom, whether it was Mitch Schwartz. Um, obviously, you're familiar with Jeff Schwartz as well, but Jeff Allen is a guy. Cam Irving is a guy that you've worked with. There are a lot of players that Chiefs fans would be familiar with knowing that you were the guy helping these guys during the offseason to dis- different points in which they needed to to clean up some stuff or need somebody to help pro- improve their technique That um, that's kind of the space that you play in. And it's going to be a and you're going to be a name that a lot of Chiefs fans are going to be paying attention to for a very long time because of a couple of the the young guys that you were training and that were a part of that big boys club. And we're going to get to that because they had a lot of eyes on them for Chiefs Kingdom, talking Creed Humphrey, the center and right guard, Trey Smith. That's all Chiefs fans have been talking about all during this offseason is of the revamped offensive line. You are the perfect person to talk about that. But before we get that, we do need to thank our good friends at Jack Stack Barbecue for sponsoring this show show um i know duke a couple of times we've we've gotten you some barbecue i know we'll take yeah, care of you but... thanks for
3: the care package i just took down the last bit of the last care package that was sent. <laughs> so i appreciate jack sack and i appreciate you guys uh, sending that down it was awesome
1: I want to take care of the people that take care of our people, and our people are Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith, and we know they take care of the people or the person and Patrick Mahomes. So take care of the guy who takes care of the guys who takes care of the guy. Uh, it was kind of the spirit behind that, but I'm glad you got it. Glad uh, Jack Stack was able to take care of you, and they're a great sponsor for us, allowing us to be able to do things like that and all the great work that they do in the community. So whether you're in Kansas City or you live around the country, Jackstackbbq.com, they can ship it all over the place, and it still turns out pretty good because we shipped it down to Texas and got uh, Duke taken care of man but uh, Nick this is where I want you and Duke to talk because you guys played um, Nick you played at this level Duke you're training guys um, at the highest level in this game from O-line masterminds to all these young guys that are going to revamp this offensive line for the future but I wanted you guys just to kind of ping pong back and forth on what you were looking for on Saturday night with the Chiefs offensive line where there's Orlando Brown, Tooney and then the young guys and Lucas Niang there on right tackle what stood out to you and in particular once you get through that because that's a loaded question uh i want your take duke um on Trey and creating what you saw from them as a very hyper critical eye knowing exactly what they're supposed to be doing and how you felt about that but um nick i want you to go first and 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 just kind of what you guys were looking uh set that up for you
2: so like uh like first of all like duke uh first if you don't know if you're listening right now Duke is the guy. Duke, Duke has, has, has built a, a beautiful um, uh, playground for, for big guys to come down. And, and I like what, what he said earlier about, about peeling back that curtain because as old linemen, we don't want the spotlight. But, but we, want, we want people to peel the, the curtain back to show you, man, this shit is hard work. And, and you've got five guys who have got to be in sync every damn play or you know, one die, we all die. So, so Duke Duke is the guru. He is the man. He's working with every all-pro offensive lineman. You know, they know to go to Frisco to get their mind right, to share information. So that's Duke's background. Um, Duke, doing big things, man. Uh, I'm so happy for you. But with this Chiefs O-line, have you ever seen an O-line get just revamped, like not even one starter? Have you ever seen that?
3: Never seen it. And, like, to piggyback off of that, uh It's funny. I mean, of course, we talk about the ties that I've had to the Chiefs over the last couple of years. Well, shoot, dating back to 2012, 2013. And, of course, I've got a great uh, friendship and working relationship with Coach Heck. Um, You know, I was down at training camp for a week uh, a couple of years ago, uh, just kind of helping out uh, with Coach Heck and, and things of that nature. And it's funny because all of a sudden, you know, Jeff Schwartz leaves or retires, you know. Jeff Allen retires, Cam Irvin goes on and does his thing, Uh, Mitch is released, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, shoot, that connection isn't there anymore. (laughs) Not so fast, my friend. Uh, Two young guys, Trey and Creed, right back at it. So it's like some things are just meant to be, man. And, uh, you know, Trey and Creed were really close throughout our process, of what we call our rookie transitional program. I don't like calling it combine training. Because we try to prepare guys to make the splash that you're seeing these guys make right now. It's not by mistake. It's we prepare for this? We prepare to check the box at their combine and pro days. Uh, but what the ultimate goal is to come out here and be able to step right in and give people help in camp and give people help throughout the season. So that's really what the that's what the goal always is. Um, but the cool thing is, is like those guys were really close, and they they scour. Dallas, and they they were going to look for the best barbecue places weekly. And so they, <laughs> would, go to, they would go to Hutchins Barbecue. They would go to all kind of places here in Dallas, um, and that was kind of their thing. So when they ended up back together, first thing I thought about, I said, oh, shit, the barbecue tour continues. And, and, <laughs> I, and right. I text both of them, That's I right. said, Jack Stack, Burnham's, and Beef Ribs.
2: That's
1: about the same time I texted Brian and I was like, I need Creed's address. We're going to send him some barbecue. So we did that too.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so to answer your question though, uh, no, I've never seen an O-line overhauled in this manner. And not only overhauled, um, you, we've got, we're, I'm trying to think of the the time frame, but we're less than 24 months removed from a Super Bowl championship, Mm -hmm. you know, with the O-line. And you look at, you know, Mitch being gone. You look at uh, Fish being gone. You look at, you know, um, some of the key pieces to that interior offensive line all gone or really fighting for roster spots right now. Um, Mm -hmm. And so this is completely going to be a new-look team. Um, I think last year during the playoffs, we kind of saw the importance of having a healthy O-line and then really addressing and revamping. Um, So I think that Veach did a great job of not only drafting, but then bringing in um, some veteran presence. And it's going to create a hell of a competition. It's creating competition because you got guys that have played, and started significant games for kansas city that are, are pretty much on the outside looking in right yeah. now you know uh, so that's a situation that not many people not many teams can say and you welcome it because within that competition being fostered we hear the term iron sharpens iron uh that's 100 percent true because not only are you playing against tremendous defensive lineman that Kansas City has, but then you're also being pushed from behind as well because the guy behind you can't be just as capable as starting and contributing games as you. So it ends up being an interesting dynamic, Um, and I was very uh, excited to kind of see that unit. Didn't matter who they played against. I just kind of want to see them. So here's another thing too, and Nick, you'll know this, I don't get caught up in who teams play like play against in preseason in terms of, oh, they're playing against the twos and threes, okay? Because no matter who you're playing against, there's some things that I want to see from the unit that that is not dictated by who they play against. And that, getting off the football, all right? What does the technique look like? All right, what does the, the finish and the hustle look like? Are there mental errors? Those are all things that offensive linemen individually and as a unit can directly control that has nothing to do with the front you're facing it doesn't matter if you were facing the steel curtain or the bestie line at all times like just how you get in and out of your stands you know are there any penalties are there mental errors like those are all things that i'm looking at to evaluate to kind of see all right where's this unit at so i don't get too high and i don't get too low i just look for the execution of the basics um, at this point in the preseason um just kind of seeing how these guys are moving and gelling and even communicating i go back and i'll watch Just like, hey, are guys talking to each other, one another, pointing things out? Are they seeing, you know, through, you know, five sets of eyes, ten pair of eyes there? Like, you know, are there ten eyes pointing in the right direction? So, just like that.
1: What did you see specifically? I know it was just 11 plays that those guys were out there. I saw it from the very beginning just because I've watched so many Chiefs games lately that when Clyde edwards Elayer got to the second level and no one was in like three yards of him off the right guard, it was like, holy cow, that, that looks different than it has in the past.
3: The thing that stuck out to me the most, and Nick, you can you can, is the command of pushing the point of attack, but more so the physicality. I saw physicality across the board from all five guys that just absolutely got off the rock. Now, we've seen that in the past. We've seen the Super Bowl year. You know, we saw, you know, that O-line getting after people. We even saw it last year. But what ends up happening is when guys start to shuffle in and out, some injuries, you know, it isn't that consistent force. You know, this year it looked like that this brand of football that we're going to see this Kansas City Chiefs offensive line play is going to be, at the end of the day, we're going to beat the hell out of you, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that when you go in with that mentality of just wanting to, you know, execute, but beating the hell out of people, that carries you a long way, you know? Um, so I was excited to see that. Um, it was evident right off the bat, like you said, um, when you got uh, Clyde Edward Alaire getting into the second level and like really untouched. For four yards, just because the point of attack was displaced so much. Yeah,
2: yeah. And, and and I think what 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 uh, I was looking for as well, uh, especially with the uh, the the new guys, the rookies, and Lucas Ning is kind of a rookie still. Is there was none of that pause and kind of no, there was no like rookie hesitation, right? They 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 came off the ball, they rolled off the ball, they knew the play, they wanted to you know strike leverage, drive, finish. You know, they, they want to do everything. And man, I just, man, it's so tough to not watch uh, Trey Smith just mm. after he's got someone on the run. He just, he wants it. Like just straight up. He just wants to dominate you. And, and as a rookie, like, I don't want to say this, but I mean, you kind of got some Will Shields type vibes, you know, like I, I'm not, I'm not saying that, but just that, that just power raw, Power.
3: His so, grip strength. So, the, so the, thing, the thing that I always saw from Will Shields is just like an, a controlled aggression, where like mm-hmm. you know, Will can speak softly, but they tear your head off. Yeah. The difference is is like Trey is very much an alpha and like goes in with bad intentions. Like one of the things people I compare Trey to, and I think he's got the trajectory to be there, is uh, Carl Nix. I think I see a lot of Carl Nix out of Trey. Um, And I would love if Trey's career, in terms of on-field, trended in the way that Carl Nix did without the injuries. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Carl Nix was one of the biggest guys at guard at 6'5", 6'6", you know, 335, come off the ball with bad intentions, very mobile, very athletic, and agile. Um, But, you know, people started to compare him to Larry Allen at one point before he got hurt. Now, again, it's so early on. We don't want to, you know, unfairly place those expectations upon Trey. uh, But there's flashes of those. And I think I truly believe that success does leave clues. And um, you can kind of see it with him. And the thing that has me most excited, I told Trey this during the draft, when, you know, almost everybody had a first-round grade on Trey and because of medical he slipped you know slipped tremendously and quite frankly he's probably gonna be mad that i'm sharing this but he was freaking out he was freaking out he was like man what if i never play again i said trey (laughs) i said one thing that the nfl knows is talent i said and you're going to end up in a situation that you could have never dreamed about i said i guarantee it i said the situation that you're going to end up at the end of this weekend I said, it's going to be fairy tale. I guarantee. You. I said, I promise you that. And I told him that the first day of the draft, which was Thursday night, you know. And then Friday rolled around, still no call. And then Saturday came around, he's freaking out. Kansas City called, he's like, I can't believe this. He goes, Not only am I going to be playing with Creed, he goes, but I'm going to be playing with the best franchise in the league right now. Yeah. I said, What did I tell you? He goes, I can't believe this. He goes, I said, you would not have had this opportunity as a first or second round. You just wouldn't have. I said, it wouldn't have been the direction that the team was looking to go in at the time. I said, but there's never any mistakes. I said, so trust and believe that you're going to be in the best situation possible. And I think what you're going to see from Trey, though, also is a guy now that is going to put the league on notice because he's going to play with a chip of, uh, you know, kind of that chip on his shoulder of, like, people passing on him. I mean, quite frankly, 32 teams passed on him. I mean, because, you know, Kansas City had the opportunity to draft him earlier, and they didn't. But um I think, you know, Kansas City got a good one, man. They got a steal.
1: I sent you – I won't put this out there for the same reason you just mentioned, but I sent you a text message that I will hold on to for a very, very long time and yep. bring it up later. Um But I needed that. I needed that receipt. I needed that like date. Like I put that out there. But uh, the three things that jumped out to me, and you guys tell me if I'm out to lunch here. uh, But three things with Trey Smith in particular that jumped out to me. Duke, just because I've talked to you over the years. You had been mentioning Trey Smith long before the Chiefs drafted him. He was just one of those guys. So as soon as he fell, because the medical, as soon as his name was called, I think I texted you and me like, you've got to be kidding me. Did they really just get that guy right there? But the things that jumped out to me for Laurent Duvernay Tardif, who we know is a player that Andy Reid has liked since the moment they drafted him out of McGill College, which is the same college up in Canada that Andy Reid's uh, excuse me, Andy Reed's mom went to and got her degree in radiation and all of that. He had that that personal relationship with LD two gets drafted sixth rounder is not put on the practice squad is on the eligible and then active every single week, his rookie year, because they didn't want to lose him because they knew that they liked him. They liked his attitude. They liked the way that he finished plays. So this isn't a player that they wanted to not, that they wanted to bring in a replacement like a Trey Smith. So when Trey Smith shows up six round pick and starts getting first team reps immediately and then doesn't give those up, that did not that is not a normal thing under Andy Reid in the time that I saw guys like Mitch Morris, guys who were drafted higher, they weren't handed some of those positions as quickly as Trey was, let alone having a guy like LDT and granted he opted out, but still having a guy like LDT with that number of snaps underneath him. You know, it's similar with Creed Humphrey with, uh, with Austin Blythe being there and if Austin Ryder was there it would have been kind of similar it would have been interesting to see how many snaps the veteran gets before they move to the young guy it just seems like they made that decision to go to him really really Early And that's unique for Andy Reid, just based on kind of what I saw. But the other thing that jumped out and I don't know how to tell you this, but I don't know what Trey Smith's grip strength is, but and I'm not going to pretend to know the technique of what guys are doing. All I know is when I watched that game, when he put his hands on guys, they went where he wanted them to go, including a couple of times where he was just done and just kind of went like that throws a guy on the ground and you lose perspective that he just tossed somebody who probably weighs 300 pounds and is also a monster of a human being. So that was great to see. And Duke, I want to set you up for this because the only offensive lineman I remember in it's different watching Eric Fisher down block. You see like the physicality. So I'm not saying these guys aren't physical, but that mental, like, I'm going to beat this guy off the ball. I always saw a lot of athletic guys who could get in space under Andy Reid, who could get out and move. Not necessarily the, I'm going to line up and move this guy until they got Kalecki Osamelli before he got hurt. That was the first guy that I remember seeing, like, this guy's moving bodies off the line of scrimmage. So when I saw Trey, I don't want to compare him as players, but as far as like skill sets under Andy Reid, Osamelli Osel- felt like the first guy that I remember having what I have now saw after the first preseason game with Trey Smith.
3: Yeah, and, and that, that's really just a mindset thing in terms of I want to come off the ball and impose my will. And I think KO, that's, that's been KO's brand of football his entire career. I think what you're going to get with Trey is you're going to get that, but then you're also going to get somebody that's really technically savvy uh, because there was many times that, uh, you know, Kelechi doesn't truly play with, um, you know, a basis of, like, a skill set and technique. He's more of a brawler. Um, mm-hmm. just gets the job done. Uh, but Trey is going to be very clear about the things that he does with his hands and his sets. And he's going to be able to explain and walk you through why he does what he does. And um, to me, that's one of the things that we try to make sure that we do in our developmental process is getting the guys to understand the why. Um, and then when we train, we don't just do drills. We put them in situations where they kind of have to problem solve and figure things out um, that would present themselves in real live game situations. And I think that's why you see guys like Creed and Trey come in and have success um, immediately is because the way we train is just – is is different in terms of actually getting these guys football reps. And so mm-hmm. everybody always says there's no such thing as – being in football shape until you actually get out there. Well, I don't. I I think I've, we've kind of disproven that because we try to get guys mentally in football shape and then physically and tactically. And the only way you can do that is presenting some of the same type of issues that they're going to need to problem solve on the field. So we try to do that in training a lot when we talk about our skill work. Um, but um, an, another cool thing that you kind of touched on there in terms of the three observations is that. Kind of a perfect storm because, yes, we had uh, Laurent. Uh, he, he, Larry opted out last year, and then all of a sudden, there's a big splash of free agency. You get a Orlando Brown, you get a Joe Tunney, and then you sign Kyle Long, get him out. And Kyle was yep. looking great, you know, a healthy Kyle Long, unfortunate injury. You kind of look at a perfect storm here sure. in terms of Trey falling to the sixth round. Yep. Ended up, and then all of a sudden you go, well, shit. Six round, but now you've got Larry coming back. You got uh you've got uh Kyle there, like where does Trey fit in? Is gonna play tackle? Then all of a sudden, it's like the floodgates open. <laughs> Kyle gets hurt, you know, Trey's right there, not missing the beat. Um, you finally get Larry down into, you know, mini camp. But at that point, you know, just that opening that kind of Kyle left allowed Trey to do exactly what we hope that we all can do in every aspect of life. All we can ever ask for is an opportunity and then take advantage of that opportunity once it's presented to us. And so you got to root for a guy like that that took full advantage of the opportunity that he was given because who knows, it could have been um, a short window for that opportunity where we could be talking about, you know, Larry back into the starting lineup or let's say how they get hurt. You know, we may not know anything about Trey Smith until later in the season or maybe two years from now.
1: That's I've never asked you this before, real quick, Duke. I've never asked you this before, but I, and I love the fact that we do have the young Chiefs now that you're going to, we could keep talking about Chiefs guys for the years, but just what does it mean to you? To, to train these guys and to be the guy behind the scenes doing a lot of the dirty work with the technique that people don't understand. You get on social media and people are telling you how to, how things work around your job, but uh, you're you're the thankless guy behind a thankless group of people. <laughs> like, it's, it's so unique and just where does the, the intrinsic motivation come from you and what does it mean to you to flip on a TV on Saturday night and see Patrick Mahomes taking a snap from a guy that you train next to another guy you train moving bodies and finding success.
3: For me and I've always been this way you guys kind of have gotten to know me a little bit what I do I like to do unconditionally no strings attached just I want to do it because I love doing it and one thing that I found out early is what my passion is and my passion is to be able to help lead and develop and not just in football just in life you know and so it's important for me that I get great fulfillment and joy with helping others to fulfill their dreams and to realize their potential, because I look at along my journey in life and football, um, there was a lot of people that did, that did not believe in me. There's a lot of people that felt like that um, I was reaching too much for uh, what I had envisioned or what I wanted. But the small amount and the 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 nucleus of the people that stuck in my corner and helped me. Mm-hmm all displayed these characteristics of wanting to see me realize my potential. And they told me the things that I needed to know, not necessarily what I wanted to hear, but needed to know along the journey. And so I kind of, again, I took that same template and apply it right back in working with these guys, being able to understand that, that they're going to follow my lead because I'm going to be a hundred percent and authentically myself. If I don't know something, I'm not going to bullshit them. I'm going to tell them I don't know and I'll find the answer. Um, And then I'm going to show them that I care about them as people and their best interests first, which makes the O-line development very easy because one of the worst things that leaders can do, especially ineffective and toxic leaders is pretend to act like that the people that they're leading don't know they have flaws. They try to be too perfect. And as soon as you do that, The people that you lead know your flaws better than you do because they see it, they see your shortcomings. So it's up to you to own those. It's up to you to take full responsibility of saying, Hey, here's where I'm lacking. But here's what I'm going to be able to provide for you as a leader, because this is what you're coming to me for. And so I try to keep that approach every single day. And so I don't know if this was on the pod when we talked about earlier, just kind of rehab and my process of coming back from his knee surgery, I said something and I made I met this. It was important for me to be up, moving, seen, um, immediately after I got hurt and immediately after surgery because my guys always show up for me. So it was important for me to always show up for them and to be able to absolutely, with 100% dedication, be resilient and display the resiliency that we always talk about on the field and in training. I would have been an absolute hypocrite if I tucked my tail and I had an excuse. Hey, just had double knee surgery. You know, I'm going to pop some pain pills, stay in bed. I'll see you guys when I see. You. But it was important for me to say, all right, we talk about this. All right. We implement these tools. Now let me show them that I'm doing the same shit that I'm telling you guys is going to get you over the hump. So it's really uh, humbling to see as you framed it, um, you know, just kind of being the guy behind the guys. And um, I'm perfectly fine with that. Uh, one of the big things that I try to make sure that we do, especially with having a relationship with teams like Kansas City, uh, whether it's talking to Rick or whether it's talking to uh, Coach Heck, uh, is just being on the same page of, you know, kind of what they see, uh, kind of what I see, and then just kind of putting it together, working with um, organizations and uh, players for the best interest of the player. Uh, while still uh, being respectful to the player and their needs, and you know, acting within discretion is in that in that regard as well.
2: What's the uh, so so you get a guy like like Trey Trey and Creed who are elite from Oklahoma and from Tennessee, and they, they come to you after college season. What's the what's the mental preparation uh, for the, these these athletes coming out of college to the NFL? Like what's the what's the what's your mental program? that you instill with with these young young kids uh, for the play step in the NFL?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's a couple of different phases of the mental approach that we take. Um, When we're talking about the mental approach in terms of preparation and, you know, the X's and O's and all that type of stuff, we try to make sure that these guys are presenting themselves in a way that they've got a master's level understanding of everything that they just went through in, in the four years or three years or whatever they did in college. So we try to make sure that they're able to articulate and accurately, whether it's talk about or on the board, be able to show their understanding of everything that they just did um, from personnel to um, to uh, the actual X's and O's to um, you know, switch ups and defenses. So that's one side of the mental aspect in terms of the interviewing. But the other side is actually the mental resiliency, the tools that we try to give these guys. So I've got a mental resilient uh, coach, performance psychologist, uh, Gary Frazier, that, um, you know, gives me essentially a lot of tools to give my players. And then in a lot of cases, he will work with players individually, um, you know, in a discreet uh, manner to make sure that he's pushing them from point A to point B to getting them to where they need to go. So we've got a truly unique system um, that we put in. Um, We've also got Dr. Ken that we work with down here um, in in Dallas at NJP that comes in and does some cognitive prep as well in terms from which some teams are going to look for and interview questions. So it's really a a tenfold, and it's a team effort in terms of how we get these guys prepared. Uh, One of the other things that we do is we always try to talk about reinterpreting events and so we give these guys like a mental skill of the day and we talk about okay so here's our mental skill of the day whether it's grit so let's define what grit is let's define what resiliency is let's define what toughness is what does toughness mean to you all right and then we talk about reinterpreting events we talk about goal setting and so what we found is the reinterpreting events has probably been the best attribute and mental skill that we can give guys because what we try to do is say, all right, when I do things correctly and when I do things effectively to have success, how do I feel? What do I see? What do I smell? What do I hear? Use the senses to understand what that feeling is when you do things right. And so once we get there, whether we're talking about doing a a set in the weight room um, or doing like a combo exercise or then taking that into the turf and doing actual football stuff. What do I hear? What do I see? What do I smell? What do I feel? Just kind of reinterpreting those things. So that's part of our damn routine every single day from the dynamic warm-up to, you know, some of the prep work we do to on the field with the skill work to running to conditioning to in the weight room. We're always throwing those cues back at them. We're always throwing those mental skills and challenging them to find out how to plug those back in to what their preparation is. And then we ask a simple question, what is your preparation prepared you for? And we ask that all the time because we know that we've given these guys these tools that they're it's up to them to plug them back into their workouts, plug them back into their process. And then we ask a simple question every now and then, what is your preparation prepared you for? And sure. only you can really define that and really talk about what it is that you've put in and what the output of that is going to be.
1: Man, I can't, the more you get into this, I can't tell you how much I respect the way that you go about every ass. You're not just telling them how many reps on a bench to do and working on technique. You are taking care of these guys at every level. And I love what you said earlier, because it reminds me of something that I heard from one of my coaches once And that, you know, players have to know that you care before they care what you know. Yep. And it, stood with me and another thing that's going to stick with me and all of the people listening to the show is they need to know that i don't care for the name of the next segment and that is blind nil that is nick's segment and we are at a time for that we've been talking a lot about that was a great segue nick i'm pretty good at this sometimes is that what you were gonna say that was really good yeah thank you that was awesome. so we're going to spend uh, about five minutes each on a topic that uh, each one of us has brought. Uh, we do not know the topics that we have each brought. We're going to sp- spend about five minutes since we just went about 30 on football. Spend the next five minutes on these topics. Nick, I'm going to let you go first on blind nil, just because it's, it's your, it's your segment. It's your stupid name.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So dude, dude, I'll give you a chance to answer first. And BJ can, can tackle this blind nil question. And we're, we're sticking with the O-line theme. And, and it's something to me that's just bugging the shit out of me. Um, what is the deal? And I know it's a copycat league in Twitter. What is the deal with this Narrative, I almost swore. Um, The narrative, I'm trying, uh, my my, my daughter said to work on that, so that's why I'm working on it, Duke, by the way. Uh, Why the Orlando Brown narrative that he can't pass pro? Where where did this come into, where the hell did this come into existence? Like, I just don't get it. Like, I don't get
3: it. What is that? So when you have big guys like Orlando Brown or Makai Becton, or even Jeff Schwartz. There's always a narrative that two things. One, they're better run blockers and pass blockers. That's number one. And then two, <laughs> two, uh, well, actually, let's go with being better run blockers and pass blockers. Big physical, they're a gaps game player. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then the second thing is, is <laughs> that, you know. Uh, you know, they can't pass block, you know, they just, they're just, they get beat with speed and then you start to unpack it and go, well, first of all, like for instance, Jeff, like Jeff's best blocking is in zone scheme, Orlando Brown can do everything, gap scheme, zone blocking, he can do it all. And then it's like, all right, now pull up the clips of him getting beat around the edge. At what point did he was not able to handle speed? Uh, The next thing is, is I think we got to take a grain of salt, take camp reports and even camp clips with a grain of salt because camp clips, beat writers, like it's the dog days of summer. It's Groundhog Day. After day five, practice five or six, like they're going to report the same things over and over again. And it's either going to get lost or they're going to make it stand out. And... You know, there's a common th- commonality here of posting clips from O-linemen just getting beat, you know. But there's no context there. It's like, all right, now what is Orlando working on right there? Is he working on the dub set? Is he working on flashing? Um, and at the end of the day, practice is the time to get beat in those situations, especially in one-on-ones, because that's when you figure out what you can do, what you can't do, what you need to clean up. If you're trying to be perfect in practice, it defeats the whole point of practice. The mindset going into practice needs to be practicing with intent, you know, and keeping that intent of, hey, this is what I'm trying to get done, this is what I'm trying to accomplish for this practice. If we do that, it doesn't fucking matter. I don't know if I can say it. it doesn't no, you matter. Can.
1: You can say whatever the fuck you want. <laughs>
3: it doesn't matter what people on Twitter have to say. As long as the intent is there and you, your coach, and the rest of everybody within the organization knows what that intent was, it doesn't matter what I think on the outside looking in. It doesn't matter what anybody retweeting and – it just doesn't matter, but no. I don't know, man. Um, it but it's turned into a echo chamber on Twitter with stuff like that, and I think it's purposely done just to annoy the hell out of me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Here I, I'll unpack this a little bit, too, because I have a different I have a little different perspective. And it's just one of those. It is what it, it's just going to end up like it is kind of what it is in that NFL is so popular. People are so starving for information that you put out a clip from training camp. Everybody that's watching that, the reason they get twenty five thousand views and Eddie High and everybody going out to training camp that's got their phones out, they're putting all these clips out. It's just it shows you the excitement and the popularity of the game and you can't control the education is not going to go as fast as the excitement is of what it is. And so I think there's this fine line of putting out every clip and trying to give some sort of context and information while not having to put a disclaimer every time of what you guys are saying of They're working on stuff. I think that should always be in there because it's hard with a certain number of characters. But I think it's just one of those. There's so much information that people want to see so much. They want every single clip that when you put some sort of information out there about it, you have to be very careful about what you say. And if you're going to make big statements based on one clip, that's that's never going to be good. I don't care who the clip is of. I don't care what the clip is of that. If Patrick and to go back to your point, Duke, and I'm jumping around, but if Patrick Mahomes can go out throw like six interceptions in a training camp practice and Coach Reed will stand there like he's just working on stuff, the same should go for the offensive lineman who could be working on stuff. But to the same point, we're never going to fully know. And this is the stuff that fans need to understand because no one else will fully explain this to you. Like this. If Orlando Brown is asked after practice what he's working on and gives you the exact answer, Orlando Brown just told everyone that he's working with exactly what he's working on. There is never a good idea for a player to tell the world exactly what he's working on, what he struggles with, what he needs to get better at. That's where I come from. If players do, that's fine, but it's never going to surprise me, especially for playing for Andy Reid, that these guys are never going to give you the context that will explain what you guys are saying about these. Cl- so it's always going to end up at it is what it is
3: so the interesting thing about that too is i got into purposely this was designed uh myself jeff allen jeff Schwartz. we got into a tiff with the giants fan base last week
1: they talked and, about it on their podcast
3: yeah and i mean <laughs> the, fu- the funny thing about it is, is though like one we know guys that we know we know both guys are retired first of all yep. um and then i know a ton of people in the building and everybody's like oh you're outing your players it's like, listen. So you think that I'm outing players in the building that I work with when I know probably eight to ten staff members on there is like, like I know what's I, I know what the tone is. I know what the panic is. Um, and one of the things that I try to make abundantly clear, and fans are going to be fans. This is what they do, but they'll try to mob you and then say, oh, well, tell us what you know. We deserve it. No, you don't deserve a damn thing. I don't – it is not my job to tell you, one, who I talk to. Two, what I truly know about each situation, like your fans. We love you to death, but at the end of the day, you are not old shit. Plain and simple. These guys are working on things. There's teams working through things. And let's just leave it at that. Uh, but it's weird because th- that was kind of going to be my topic that I bring up. Is this That was like
1: my topic too. Like it was very yeah. similar so to the same
3: thing. The thing to roll into it is this thing of where you've got people who feel like they can argue with a Mitch Schwartz or a yeah. Jeff Schwartz or a Joe Thomas. Me, I'm nobody, man. i you know. I'm just, I'm just a guy that I'm a, somebody called me a personal trainer, you know, so whatever, I'll be that But my my point is, is we live, I never in a million years would have thought to argue with a Joe Thomas or to argue with, you know, I mean, somebody just the other day, I saw somebody call Rex Chapman like something ridiculous like he was some type of scrub. I'm like, you do know that man played in the NBA Haller. for thirteen years yeah. and averaged like damn near twenty points throughout his entire career. Like don't don't let his social media fool you, you know, like so it's just man, it's it's a weird space and a weird time we're living in now where for information being so widely available, people still dismiss the information. It is just it's it's weird, man. It's a weird, weird dynamic. <laughs> <laughs> Nick,
1: you can, you can you can jump in here on that. I Sorry. I agree that we we're all on the same page. I agree with everything you just said. Um, and I wrote down like best way to handle it for like social media because the the problem Duke that you run into, and not to just completely hijack the whole conversation, but like the problem that you have is that there are people who don't know shit who claim to, who hide behind, well, I'm not going to give up my sources. And then everyone's like, well, you tell me what you know. I don't think you know anything because they doubt because there are a lot of fake people that pretend that they know stuff and they don't. So when they talk to people who actually do know and they give you reasons, I can't tell you all this for 87 reasons that should be common sense. If you could look at it from 50,000 feet back and from other perspectives, Uh, it's really not that hard to understand why you can't just out everything. But then I understand why people say, well, I understand why people are skeptical Cause there are people out there who pretend to know stuff. And I want to be just like, no, you're ruining things for guys like Duke and Jeff and these guys who know people and know things. We need to just ha- show some grace and respect the fact that you're doing what you do to provide good information to us and settle like sifting through that other crap.
3: You so. know, the interesting thing about that though, too, is, is that like, I'm not a per- like, one, I don't break news and I'm not a, I'm not a wild person that I'm trying to throw stuff out there for, Flex of retention, but when it comes to things, of offensive line, I'm either one going to provide a perspective, or I'm going to kind of shed some light on what I know, and um, that's just like I stay in the O-line space. That's where I operate in, and so uh, one of the things that it just it kind of drives you crazy here is that like, like yes, I get it. Like there's some people out there that pretend to. No, they don't know anything, but it's like, listen, like, there's certain aspect. like, if I'm going to say some O-line regard, there's probably something to it, um, and it's funny, because the Giants fans have been awfully quiet this week, now that, we know that <laughs> their beat writers not gotten on board with like, hey, this O-line needs help, like, those players that retired, people they were counting on, because at first the narrative was like, they were camp bodies. We weren't counting mm-hmm. on them. Joe Judge knows what he's doing now. You <laughs> got, got Art Stapleton and Matt Lombardi and and uh, even like the in-house people. Are like, hey, we need O-line help. Like those guys that went home, <laughs> we were counting on. <laughs> yeah, but now they're often quiet. So I always find that funny.
2: It, it is. Well, I, I think we should we should you should let me start up O-line Twitter masterminds. I can can educate people. Well, I I think I think what it stems from is is people people don't watch film in its entirety. Like people watch like highlights and then they kind of make these evaluations based on highlights. And I think that's the most incorrect way to evaluate talent like that's like like when, when the Chiefs drafted you know Creed and Trey I went back to I, I looked at okay what what's going to be Creed's toughest game that'll be similar and that was their bowl game uh versus Florida Florida you know Florida always be putting out monsters on defense and that'll be your, your similar and I'm like okay how did he do and, and he did fantastic
3: he did Florida yeah, Florida and Baylor are really good games to watch for them Um, just because Florida, pure talent, and then Baylor schematic-wise, Baylor does some funky things that causes some issues, and also Iowa State does as well. So those three games of, like, teams want to kind of go – I mean, fans want to go back and kind of watch those. Those are great games. I mean, now you've got plenty of games to watch. But to your point, (laughs) I just – I made this comment, and this is not in an arrogant way not in a facetious way but this is 100 percent true and i've used this in that i think i might have used this either the last time i was on or what we did or when we were reporting live from st joe's the way i see online is like i've got the robocop mask on and everything is gridded in computer in like compete that's what i'm looking at i'm looking at angles i'm looking at you know the defense and so just today somebody they're like are we watching the same game I said, we're watching the same game, but we ain't seeing the same things. And they, like, looked at me, and they were like, damn, okay, that makes sense. Because I'm watching something and seeing something completely different than anybody else when I'm watching tape and when I'm evaluating tape and even watching a game just as a fan with, uh, you know, no real rooting interest. So, yeah, we may be watching the same game, but we're definitely seeing different things
1: i love that point and i want to throw this out there because i feel like we just scared anyone listening that's trying to get into sports media way that they have to be an offensive line expert to cover football because that is very real too that there are a lot of young reporters in the league that have this very scared like i know what i don't know how do i feel like i can play in this space and i tell them like not to make it about me like i did like i've been very obvious like nick knows from the moment that before slushy. i even got the chief's job i play dumb like you realize and I tell this and I'm going to say it in front of you guys because you guys are the ones I was asking It's like people that know respect the fact that you just say like hey I don't know what power it like I don't know what all these blocking schemes are that doesn't mean that I can't go talk to Mitch Morris and get a good story out because I don't understand the game at his level if you show some humility and show that you care about something they've dedicated their entire lives to they actually respect you for it and you can learn a lot about the game while I still six years later can't explain all the schematic things, but I know enough to facilitate and have fun conversations. And I knew enough and felt comfortable enough about it that like you said, you've got the RoboCop. Like I understand offensive line. I understand like digital media. So it was just like, you know what? I'm just going to get with my friends and we're going to start a network of just having good conversations about football and bringing people on like yourself that can, that can speak more to the things and educate people about it. That you don't have to know everything to provide value in some space from the digital media perspective. You can still play in the space without having to know absolutely everything. And all it takes is a little bit of humility, which you would think that there would be a lot of, that that would be a common sense thing, but it's really not when you look at sports media in general. It's not at all, especially in the NFL world.
3: It goes back to what I talked about, some of those leadership qualities of an effective leader, is effective leaders know what they know, know what they don't know. And they're not ashamed to say, hey, listen, like, I don't know, I'm going to find the answer, or that's not my real Uh, Ineffective leaders... Um, that are often toxic try to um act like they know and then when it gets exposed like starts unravel it. and uh one of the things and i compare this to you is the people that are going to know immediately that you don't know what you're talking about are not the fans it's going to be the players and one thing that you want to make sure that you do is have the players lend you their level of credibility in terms of what you're talking about And I remember when I was doing consulting with Bleacher Report and doing all their grading uh, with Matt Miller, um, Mm -hmm. one of the things, the biggest pieces of feedback when I took over that project in 2015 doing all the offensive linemen, were pro-offensive linemen. Some were mad about where they were ranked, but they never argued with the areas of strength, the areas of improvement, and overall. What I was end up getting it was, this is one of the best reports written by me, written by anyone. What are you seeing on tape? And so I got, I ended up, I ended up getting a, a bunch of guys. I, that's how me and Toronto Armstead got connected hmm. is because I wrote, written, watched every snap he took, wrote this great report, but he was ranked a little lower because he was hurt. And he he sent me a message. He was like, "Man, he was like, what are you seeing?" And I told him, I said, "Well, this is what I see out of your game: XYZ, XYZ, XYZ." And I named two injuries that I thought he may have had. He was like, "I'll be out there this off season."
2: Ah, that's <laughs> fucking awesome. That is awesome. That is awesome. That and 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 and, and, and if you're listening. Um that is, that is bizarro for for a, a guy of Toronto's, you know, pedigree to reach out. I mean, based off of what you read and you're like, God, this guy is spot on. Like, how do I, how do I improve this? That's well, amazing. Cause,
3: well, because the first reaction that these guys get is like, man, these guys ranking me. Who the F is this guy? Mm-hmm. And then some are going to just leave it at that. Like, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. But then you're going to get guys that actually read stuff and they're going to oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I had that. And let me. Here's another thing. Another cool thing about this is the guys that reached out to me. There's a, there was a lot of. Oftentimes, are the elite guys. The guys that are like bottom of the barrel, and I hate saying that, but like guys that are like fighting to hold on. A lot of guys that are not in the league. Are the ones that argued with it and then dismissed it. The guys that are like still playing high level football. They wanted to know what I saw, how I saw it, and, like, what was next. And there was probably about 10 or 15 guys like that that are still playing, still playing at a very high level that were like, yo, what are you seeing? Because, mm-hmm. like, you're right, but, like, how do you see that? You know? So gonna... I, thought, I thought that was cool.
1: All right, guys, we've been going for about an hour. I'm going to end the show with a quote that I think makes sense right here from David Coley. He told me this a long time ago when I was talking to him about Jeremy Macklin to date how far this conversation goes back. And it just goes back to David Coley saying, elite professionals, Pro Bowl players, do not care as a coach if you ever played in the NFL, if you ever played in college, if you ever played in high school. If you can make that guy better at his job, he will run through a wall for you. And David Coley made it very – he goes, professionals will act like that. Guys who are not professionals who look at you and say, you didn't play here, you're not going to – that guy's never going to learn anything from anyone because he needs everybody's resume before he'll do it. These guys will run through a wall from you if you can make them better. And, so, and even further,
3: the, the, the guys that are like all pro, like consistently, that really holds true. Those are the guys that are going to – they're going to listen more than they talk. And then when they do talk, it's like, oh, shoot, they see things – and a completely different perspective. But what makes those guys great also is that they're all about aggregating information and getting as much information as possible. And then what makes them really special is taking all that information, filtering it down, siphoning it down, and then making it their own, which they can then add to their toolbox. That has been one of the key performance indicators that I've seen over the last 10 years of guys that I've worked with. That are really, really great and elite players is that trait right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Nick, do you have any attention? About... Attention
2: to detail is everything, and and if you're super hungry and, and you have a desire for greatness, then then you'll ask the the trainer, you know, what they say. Like if you're playing a guy who was at at, at this place that you were at, and you're like, hey man, uh, what was this guy like? Right, you know, you might yeah. get some just random info from the trainer, like you know, this guy liked hmm. the party on Fridays, or or you know, is, is this guy, you know, the, you know, you ask the strength coach, you know, what was he weak at, you know, stuff like that, and you then you, to your point, Duke, you aggregate that, you say, okay, so he's got a decent squat, and you know, he liked to, you know, he had a, a hip injury or something like that. Okay, And then they kind of be like, okay, how can I attack that? And then that's what you do, and you take care of a little bit of info, and that's how the good get get better, mm-hmm. get right?
1: Guys, I loved everything about this conversation. Duke, many weather O-line masterminds could not thank you more for coming. And I want to throw this out there just because I don't feel like we could do an offensive line specific show. And and Duke, I know you're friends with him. I have not met him in person, but I couldn't have more respect for Brandon Thorne and his substack called trench warfare. If you guys listening, love this conversation, follow Duke, watch the O-line uh, big boys club. Um, I'm going to put the link in the description below the show to the the Fox Sports uh, YouTube, so you guys can see those shows. And I'm also going to put a link to Brandon Thorne's Twitter because if you really want quality offensive line information from somebody who does the work and understands it, has the respect of people who play at that level, in addition to Duke, Brandon Thorne's newsletter is a very good one. I've paid for it, subscribed to it because I'm trying to learn. He's very, very good at that.
3: There's so much information that Brandon provides, and the the, the hours that he puts in, the work that he does is just is tremendous. He's very thorough. And he has he has the ears of a lot of uh, players and teams now. There's a lot of yep. teams and players that pay him um, for information. So that's really cool. Um, yep. And again, I appreciate you putting the Big Boys Club um, links down there. You can get your Big Boy Club T-shirts um, off of strike StrikeLeverageDryFitness.com. And uh, I got this one I'm too.
1: Yeah, got a, got a couple of these too this one's a little bit bad, I lost a little bit of weight so I might have to order another one <laughs> if it's a little bit better now, but Duke manyweather, thank you so much, Nick great show, we will see you guys next week as the Chiefs got another preseason game Friday night against the Arizona Cardinals and we will break that one down, hopefully see some more big guys throwing some other guys around, uh, it probably be the last time we see the first team offense I know Coach Reed will be speaking about that this week but uh, that'll be fun to watch, but Duke thank you so much, Nick, great show Cheese Kingdom. Until next time.
4: It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing.